I am R.C. Rondero de Mosier. I uh, work in government relations and regulatory affairs for different companies. The big thing that speaks to me is now with uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, I've volunteered in capacities with Jane's Due Process and other organizations that have been trying to support reproductive rights for women. And now that it's been overturned, like I, you know, I want to see like a path forward that we can all come together on 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 fixing this, right? This travesty. Yeah, and at the very least at the state level, that's all we have the option for right now, and so that's what I'm interested in. I'd like to see Ken Paxton in an orange jumpsuit. It's Monday, September 25th, 2023, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier. The situation at our border with Mexico continues to top Texas political news this Monday. Writer Sharon Bernstein at Reuters quotes El Paso Mayor Oscar Leeser as seeing his city at a breaking point with days now of a rate of more than 2,000 people per day seeking asylum in El Paso, exceeding shelter capacity and straining resources. Mayor Leeser said El Paso plans to open a new shelter and has borrowed a page from Governor Abbott's playbook and arranging several buses to take migrants to New York, Chicago, and Denver. The difference here appears to be that the migrants who will board those buses are doing so by choice and with full information concerning their destinations. The mayor goes on to say that also in contrast with the view of state Republican officials, the Biden administration has been a good partner in the situation, but that the overall U.S. immigration system is broken. Speaking of Texas Republicans, the internecine conflict within appears to continue to escalate. Marcelino Benito at KHOU-TV in Houston says the impeachment of Ken Paxton now looks like a point of no return and that any reconciliation between the factions on either side of that divide grows more and more hopeless. Rice University political science professor Mark Jones says the Texas GOP is now in full escalation mode, which is likely to remain at a fever pitch between now and next March's primaries, with a lot of this pressure landing on House Speaker Dade Phelan, who's not backing down either. Phelan posted an op-ed in the Beaumont Enterprise on Friday saying that in pardoning Paxton, Republicans in the Senate had allowed politics to prevail over principles and that he wasn't really surprised that they did, considering a massive donation to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick from a pro-Paxton pack just before the trial, Patrick's muzzling of House members via a gag order that interfered with an opportunity to make their case to the public and Patrick's failure to enforce key subpoenas. Phelan says the Paxton fix was in from the start. The Republicans did add one major figure to their ranks on Friday as Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson, who served in the Texas legislature as a Democrat, announced he is joining the Republican Party via an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal. Nathan Collins at Texas Public Radio writes that the political party switch comes after an unsuccessful campaign to lower Dallas's tax rates. One of the first to celebrate was freshly pardoned but still indicted Attorney General Ken Paxton, who tweeted a welcome to Johnson on Friday morning. Collins cites a KERA report that Johnson has missed more than 130 hours of city council meetings since being elected mayor in 2019, more than any of the current city council 
members and says that Johnson invited Senators Ted Cruz and John Cornyn to the Dallas City Council inauguration earlier this year, at which Johnson was sworn in by Cornyn while the rest of the council was sworn in by a municipal judge. The writing has been on the wall for a while here. Jerry Hawkins, the director of Dallas Truth, Racial Healing and Transformation, says Johnson, quote, has been spewing right-wing catchphrases and conservative policies since 2020, and I have been ringing the alarm. Johnson has betrayed every Democratic voter that cast a vote for him, including me, unquote. Latest on the Crown Act case in Barbers Hill Jr. Daryl George, now suspended twice from school over his traditional lock hairstyle, ostensibly in spite of the protections of the Crown Act, the new state law forbidding discrimination on the basis of cultural hairstyles. Amanda Holpuck at the New York Times says George and his family have shot for the top, filing a federal civil rights lawsuit against Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxton on Saturday, holding that those high-ranking officials have allowed Barbers Hill ISD to break the new law. State Representative Retta Bowers, the primary author of the Crown Act, weighed in on Friday to accuse the school district of looking for loopholes to skirt the law and perpetuate hair discrimination. Barbers Hill ISD has indeed said their male grooming policies target hair length in particular. The Amarillo-based federal judge at the center of odious reproductive rights rulings in recent months has now weighed in on drag shows. Kimberly Cruzy at the Associated Press writes that last week's ruling by U.S. District Judge Matthew Kazmarek that a ban on drag performances at West Texas A&M University in nearby Canyon would be allowed stands in contrast with a string of recent rulings by other federal courts that have blocked drag show bans in Florida, Montana, and Tennessee, and even a decision by another federal judge here in Texas that blocked a statewide ban on drag shows from being implemented last week. The National Civil Liberties Group FIRE, which has joined us on our Progress Texas Happy Hour podcast in recent weeks, is representing the students who filed the lawsuit. They say they'll appeal Kazmarek's ruling. Progress Texas Executive Director Kathleen Thompson attended this year's Trib Fest over the weekend in Austin. It's become the preeminent annual political discussion event in Texas, and there was certainly no shortage of interesting speakers, exchanges, and discussions this year covered extensively by the staff at the Texas Tribune itself. Alejandro Serrano says a panel on school vouchers featuring Democratic State Representative James Tallarico of Austin on the left, Republican Rep. James Frank of Wichita Falls on the right, and Democratic Rep. Barbara Gervin Hawkins of San Antonio, somewhere in the middle, we guess, did not find much consensus on the topic of school vouchers. No big surprise there. Tallarico said vouchers in any form would be a threat to public education. Frank said a school voucher program would give parents more power to make decisions about their children's education. And Gervin Hawkins seemed resigned that the governor and his party's determination to enact school vouchers make that outcome more or less an inevitability. Chuck Lindell covers the TribFest talk with Paxton impeachment prosecutors Dick DeGarren, Rusty Harden, Harriet O'Neill, and Aaron Epley, who told their audience that they were riding high and feeling positive about the prospects of a conviction after closing arguments. DeGarren says in retrospect they may have been naive in thinking principle would win out over politics, and the group also highlighted Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's immediate blasting of the House's impeachment effort after Paxton was pardoned by his party. Harden called Patrick's outburst the most classless political moment he had ever experienced. 
Carlos Nagueras Ramos reports on comments from U.S. Representative Colin Allred and State Senator Roland Gutierrez, who will meet in the 2024 Democratic primary on the way to the race for the U.S. Senate against Ted Cruz next year. The two spoke in separate TribFest panels, with Allred pledging to tackle high-profile issues, including abortion and gun reform, by working with both Democrats and Republicans. Gutierrez took a harder stand on compromise, saying he believes Republicans in Congress aren't interested in bipartisanship and, quote, there is no amount of political speak or so-called bipartisan incrementalism that I'm interested in. We must fight them tooth and nail on everything they throw at us, unquote. Carolyn Wilburn writes that amidst all the talk of a Republican civil war, Texas Democrats are not especially unified themselves at present. Democratic State Reps John Bryant and Victoria Neve Criado of Dallas and Trey Martinez-Fisher of San Antonio discussed weak consensus within their own party, with Bryant blaming what he's called go-along, get-along Democrats, afraid to lose the benefit of deals they've made with Republican leadership, perhaps a jab at both of his colleagues on the panel. Martinez Fisher is chair of the Texas House Democratic Caucus, and Neve Criado chairs the County Affairs Committee and the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus. Martinez Fisher differs with Bryant's Democratic hard line, saying bipartisan compromise is key to, quote, doing the right thing for the people that we represent, unquote. All three pledged to oppose school vouchers in the upcoming special session, while Brian points out that resistance will require Democrats to be unified with no room to waver or compromise. Last from the Trib Fest we'll cover this morning, though there's a ton more to catch up with at texastribune.org, is a talk on the looming threat of a federal government shutdown. A panel of four Democratic U.S. representatives from Texas, Lizzie Fletcher and Sylvia Garcia of Houston, and Greg Kassar and Lloyd Doggett of Austin, talked about the struggle of working under Speaker Kevin McCarthy in the U.S. House, where lawmakers need to approve 12 spending measures to fund the federal government, but a small group of hardline MAGA reps are preventing the GOP alignment required to take advantage of their razor-thin majority. Greg Kassar said all of this is really just to score political points against the Biden administration. Lizzie Fletcher reminds us that the consequences of a shutdown would be very real for hundreds of thousands of federal employees and military members, and that it shouldn't be part of the negotiation calculus at all. In a separate talk, U.S. Reps Henry Cuellar of Laredo and Tony Gonzalez of San Antonio agreed that chaos appears to be the goal of MAGA hardliners in the House. Tony Gonzalez says he thinks House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is in an existential battle with his own right-wing fringe and that there's little House Democrats can do to help. One Texas Republican in the House believes the shutdown is inevitable. WFAA in Dallas quotes Representative Keith Self of McKinney, who says, quote, I can assure your viewers that absent some sort of minor miracle, which is not going to happen, we will have a shutdown on the 1st of October, unquote. Some vital reading for Texas progressives this Monday. See the show notes for a link to an analysis of that death row case we've told you about from Ed Pilkington at The Guardian. This is the case of Robert Robertson, who's been awaiting execution since 2002 after being convicted of killing his two-year-old daughter. His conviction based upon highly questionable evidence, including the science surrounding shaken baby syndrome that has since been thoroughly debunked, even disavowed by its primary theorists. The U.S. Supreme Court will have an opportunity, should they choose, to review the Robertson conviction in their annual long conference starting tomorrow. Also in the notes, an editorial from the Houston Chronicle posted yesterday on the threat that three individual Texas theocratic activists pose to American democracy. 
These three are familiar to engaged Texas progressives, West Texas oil billionaires Tim Dunn of Midland and brothers Dan and Ferris Wilkes of Cisco, who are on a mission to transform Texas into a Christian nationalist state. An example of the outsized influence their petroleum fortunes have afforded them in the recent Ken Paxton acquittal. The views these men are pressing forward in broad daylight with success in Texas are astounding and frightening. And without real resistance from Texas voters, they'll get their way. An important link to read and share in the notes this morning. And finally, a not particularly political but definitely interesting Texas tidbit. Robert Perlman at Space.com writes that the NASA space probe OSIRIS-REx, after a seven-year-long, nearly four-billion-mile journey to the asteroid Bennu and back, deployed its sample return capsule to land in the Utah desert yesterday, containing about a half a pound of asteroid material. And that sample is now headed to Texas. And Houston's Johnson Space Center for Analysis says here it'll take several weeks to actually get the thing open and have a look at the cargo. Super sciencey stuff if you're so inclined in the show notes. And that's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch for this Monday, September 25th, 2023. Links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Thanks to your support, our podcasts are now within the top 5% for listenership in the entire world. Please consider helping us continue our important work by joining our ongoing membership drive at progresstexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning.